The streaking LA Kings beat the defending Stanley Cup champs again. I'll tell you why we should really be excited about this win. There's actually more than one reason. That's next in this edition of Locked on LA Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked On LA Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. My name is Eddie Garcia. I'm your host of Locked On LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for the past 30 years, 20 plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network. I'm also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years and a passionate LA Kings fan for the past 30 years. The LA Kings won their season I fifth straight game, knocking off the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche in Denver last night. The Kings jumping out to a 2-0 lead on first period goals from Adrian Kempe and Gabe Velarde. In the third period, Kempe scored his team-leading 32nd goal of the season, making it 3-1. And after an Avalanche goal to make it a one-goal game, Philip Deneau would score 15 seconds later and then add an empty net goal to seal the victory 5-2. Kings get the win for Deneau. He gets his 17th and 18th goals of the season. Kings are now 2-0 in Denver this season after Thursday's big win. So many great takeaways from this victory. Uh, so let's go ahead and crown the King right off the start of the MVP of last night's game for the LA Kings. And certainly a lot of candidates for that honor. Uh, it could have been Andre Kopitar for his three assists. Could have been Philip Deneau for those two big third-period goals. Could have been goaltender Jonas Corposala, who was solid all night. More on him in a moment. But I'm going to go with the man they call Juice, Adrian Kempe. Uh, he helped the Kings get off to a good start with that first goal of the game. Very nice finish on a two-on-one. Great feed from the captain. Also scored the uh, goal in the opening seconds of the third period to ensure the Kings would have the lead for the rest of the game. Kings uh, don't have much attitude on the team, really. Um, you can argue that's a good thing or a bad thing. But Juice does bring some much-needed confidence. Uh Obviously, he loves to score goals and likes to let you know about it. Of course, everyone likes to score goals, but, you know, putting his hand up to his ear or raising his arms like he did last night, uh, he got Kempe's got a little bit of swagger to him, and I do think that is something that you want in a sniper and a finisher like Adrian Kempe. Uh, the Kings' leading goal scorer gets the crown for our player of the game from last night's win over the Avalanche. Long live the King. As I said at the top, many reasons to be excited about this win, and we're going to get into all of that, but I think the number one reason, for me anyway, is that it wasn't just a win that extended a winning streak, but a win on the road against uh, the defending champs, and the Kings did not play their A game. Uh, they played well, um, but their best game? No, not, I don't even think it was close. I think if you're giving it a grade, I'd give it a B at best. Uh, there were mistakes made by the LA Kings. There were missed opportunities. The power play is slumping right now. One for the last 16 with a man advantage. The Kings can play better, but still a big road win and a win that uh, they didn't even give us too much drama down the stretch because after the Avs made it that one goal game, the Kings immediately responded and uh, pretty much were leading by two goals most of the game. And uh, good to see them close out a win, especially again on the road against a very good team. We went into this one thinking this was a big game, and I thought the Kings 
definitely responded. But to me, again, the biggest reason we should be excited about this win is that the Kings did not play their best. There is still better hockey for the Kings to be played. And, uh, and this is a good thing that they can win fairly convincingly without their best effort. Going into the game, we talked about it on Thursday's show. Um, there were three lineup issues that I was interested in seeing what was going to happen. Number one, who would be in net? Would it be Jonas Carposalo? And the answer there was yes. Um, where would Trevor Moore slot into the lineup coming back from the injury, which we got some details on maybe on what that injury was. And Trevor Moore would slot in on the fourth line with Rasmus Kupari and Zach McEwen and Jordan Spence. I was so excited to see him get in the lineup for the injured Sean Dursey, and he would play on the third pairing with Sean Walker and quarterback that Kings second power play unit. Let's start with Jordan Spence. Uh, again, I was so excited to see him get in the lineup, and it's not just because I am a fan of his, but I really thought it made too much sense not to have him in for Jersey, specifically because of Spence, uh, Spence's ability to run a power play unit. I thought Spence looked very comfortable on the ice last night. I don't remember one bad play from him. No turnovers, no misplays, no bad decisions. Uh, and it wasn't like he was playing a safe game. He wasn't just getting the puck and dumping it into the zone. Uh, he wasn't deferring to teammates. He was looking to make plays. And he is known as more of a offensive defenseman. But we keep hearing that his defensive game is steadily improving. And I thought it showed last night. He had a couple of real nice poke checks, one of them on the Avs' top offensive player, Nathan McKinnon, in the second period. Uh, his outlet passes were clean. And when he had a shot on goal to take, he took it. And he got the primary assist on Philip Deneau's first goal, a deflection off of a Spence point shot after a faceoff win. So if there is some reason that we have to play Jordan Spence in any important games down the stretch or in the playoffs, I have full confidence that he can get it done. It does make you wonder, uh, with the Kings having Jordan Spence, Brant Clark waiting in the wings, what exactly they're going to do on that right side in the near future. Obviously, Sean Dursey's there as well. You've got Matt Roy with another year. Drew Doughty's not going anywhere. Um, the good news is the Kings definitely have some depth at that position, and they have some options going forward. But again, I was glad to see Jordan Spence get in the lineup. I thought he did a very good job running the second power play unit, although both power play units are, again, slumping a bit at the moment, but not because of anything he did last night for sure. Um, thought he played a very solid all-around game. And like I said, I've, I've got confidence in Jordan Spence, if he has to play, um, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I don't feel like we're losing much, if anything, at all. Now, while I was happy to see Tom McClellan get Jordan Spence in the lineup, I wasn't thrilled to see Zach McEwen in and not Arthur Kaliev on the fourth line. I understood when he decided to put Carl Grundstrom in for two games in a row because Grundstrom had scored a goal, and then you want to reward him for that effort, and you play him in the next game. Um, and I get that Zach McEwen is coming off an injury. He hasn't played much over the last month. Now he's on a new team, so you want to get him in there, acclimated to his new teammates and all that stuff. I get all that. But going forward, I think the decision will be made and should be made um, relatively soon to get Arthur Kaliev in the lineup consistently, specifically for what he can do on the second power play unit. Grundstrom, McEwen, Jared Anderson Dolan, None of those guys stand out enough to me as far as putting him in the lineup over Kaliev because of what Kaliev can do specifically on the power play. Quinton Byfield was on the second power play unit uh, last night, and we've talked about QB. 
he's contributing and we're glad to see it. And he did have an assist last night, fifth straight game with an assist for him, but he's not a finisher at this point of his career. The Kings need someone on that second power play unit that they can set up for opportunities. And that's perfect for Arthur Kaliev and what he can do. So I'm okay at the moment, I guess, because of some of the circumstances around getting Grunstrom out there and getting McEwen out there. But in the near future, and certainly when he's, when we really start to get into the stretch run, I expect to see Arthur Kaliev out there because the Kings need him. Even if he's just a power play specialist, fine. Um, they need that weapon on that second power play unit to provide key opportunities and goals going forward into crucial games like playoff games. As for Trevor Moore, um, I thought he looked okay. Um, he did play 13 minutes and 31 seconds, which is more than you would expect from a fourth liner, but there were some circumstances as to why, because he he got more ice time because of an injury that we're going to talk about a little bit more later. Um, he had one really nice rush into the ab zone where he got off a nice backhand shot. He also had a pretty decent uh, scoring chance shorthanded. Um, it was pointed out on the broadcast that Trevor Moore is now wearing a tinted visor, which he did not wear before. And that would seem to be a decent indicator that he missed those 11 games recently because of some concussion related issue because the tinted visor, you know, the glare of the lights, things like that can help with that kind of a thing. So um, understandable that the plan would be not to put him right back in on the second line with Dino and Arvidsson, um, but to kind of ease him back into the lineup on the fourth line. That made a lot of sense going into it. Like I said, he did get some extra playing time because of injury. Um, but I thought Trevor Moore back in the lineup looked pretty good and expect to see his workload increase going forward. And it might increase uh, kind of dramatically sooner rather than later because of an injury that we're still waiting to hear word on. So, all right, we need to talk about the Kings goaltending and also the one really bad thing to come out of last night's game. But first, I need to let you know that today's episode of Locked on LA Kings is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, we are now past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's a bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point score to three-pointers made. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get in on your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So another thing I was really happy to see uh, in the game against Colorado was the Kings coaching staff going with Jonas Corposalo in net and not Phoenix Copley and nothing against Copley, but I think we still need to see what Corposalo can really do with his new team uh, down the stretch. And I really wanted to see him put to the test in a big game against a good team. And I think he passed for sure. Uh, the first goal he allowed was on a deflection that most goalies are not going to stop. Second goal was just a laser of a shot from Av superstar Nathan McKinnon on the power play. Uh, he's got one of the best wrist shots in the game, and Corpus Allo was screened a little bit as well, so neither goal was soft in any way at all. I mentioned on Tuesday's show, um, after the win over the Capitals, we were going to keep track of Phoenix Copley versus Jonas Corpus Allo and what their numbers were going to be, at not the, uh, not the full season, but when the trade was made to acquire Jonas Corpus Allo. Uh, because I feel, and it looks initially like I'm right on this, that there's going to be an open competition for the net going forward. And I think the two net miners are going to alternate starts in basically what is an open competition for the Kings' number one goalie position going into the playoffs. So far, we have seen that. Copley, Corpusalo, 
Copley Corposalo. As for Jonas Corposalo, his stats now as an LA King, 2-0. His goals against average did not move at all after last night's victory. It's still at 2.01. His save percentage went up slightly from 2.3, or from, excuse me, from 0.932. I'm going to get it right in a second. His save percentage went up slightly from 0.923 to 0.929. He now has allowed four goals on 56 shots. As for Phoenix Copley, he's also 2-0. He also has an identical goals against average of 2.01. His his, uh, save percentage just over 900 at 0.901. He's allowed four goals on 43 shots. So far through four starts, I think Carposalo gets the slight edge I think for him, uh, road win over the abs certainly was the more impressive win of our, either of the four starts between the two goalies so far. Um, and just from the eye test, I, I think the stats say the same as far as what I see in Corposalo. I think he just he's slightly better than Phoenix Copley. And I know we're nitpicking here, but there was that really soft goal that Copley allowed against the Capitals, that little push-in changeup that went through his legs. Uh, and when you're talking about, you know, really nitpicking, um, that was the one goal that's been allowed so far between the two guys. That was really a soft goal. Nothing like that from Corposalo yet. Um, and I think pretty clear uh, in the game against the Avalanche that for Corposalo, if he saw it, he was going to stop it. Um, like I said, a deflection, you knew it was going to take something like that to score a deflection, a screen, that kind of thing. And so, again, I think so far this competition is actually a very encouraging thing. I think the Kings now have two solid goalies. I think the team feels confident they can win with either one of these guys in net. I think they're pushing each other now in this kind of friendly competition. I hope this is exactly what we see the rest of the way. Um, Like I said, alternating starts, and hopefully both guys keep playing the way they're playing. The Kings keep racking up wins. And in the end, it's a very difficult decision for Todd McClellan and the staff, Bill Ranford, the goalie coach, to decide which guy gets the edge. Like I said, maybe we end up seeing both of them in the playoffs. I kind of hope not because uh, that would mean that, you know, maybe one of them isn't up to up to par or whatever. But like I said, hopefully it's a very, very difficult decision. Both guys play well, and I think this is a good thing for the LA Kings, this competition, and that both guys look very solid in net so far. Uh, if the pattern follows, we would see Phoenix Copley back in net for the Kings game on Saturday against the Predators back on home ice. And if that's the case, we will update this competition coming up on Monday's show. Okay, the one really bad thing from last night's game was the injury to Kevin Fiala. I said on the show recently that I'm a little, and I am a little bit superstitious, that it's been a very good thing for the Kings. One of the reasons for their success is that they have stayed pretty healthy all season. I'm no longer going to say that. I'm just going to, you know it, it's out there. I'm not saying it anymore. Uh, so Kevin Fiala went down to the second period. It was a knee-on-knee collision from Colorado's Andrew Cagliano. Uh, Fiala left the ice, actually had to be helped off the ice. He did return briefly um, and played a shift or two, uh, but then left the lineup and did not return. I have been waiting to hear an update on his status all day long, and I have yet to hear anything. Obviously, we're all keeping our fingers crossed. This is a minor injury. Um I think it's encouraging that he did come back out on the ice to test it, even though that test didn't apparently, he didn't pass the test, that there was something that didn't feel quite right. And certainly you want to be very, very cautious with that. And the Kings, you know, maybe he misses a game or two, but we're all hoping this is not any kind of long-term injury because I don't even want to get into how this would affect the Kings 
down the stretch if Kevin Viala has to miss any significant time. I don't even want to think about that, so we're not even going to address that until uh, that news happens, which we certainly hope does not happen. As for the hit, um, those knee-on-knee collisions are obviously very, very dangerous. Cagliano is a guy that I wouldn't call him dirty, but I think he does toe the line a lot. Um, Fiala did kind of skate into him and Cogliano braced himself, but he did kind of, he kind of stuck the knee out as well. No penalty was called on the play. Um, no one on the Kings seemed to get too bent out of shape over it, uh, in the moment. So I'll kind of defer to what the player's reaction was in real time. Watching in the slow-mo, it really isn't a fair way to judge it. Um, obviously I didn't like the hit, but I, I don't know that I can honestly say that it was something that was clearly dirty or premeditated in any way. Um, there was also a moment in the game when Jonas Corposalo got bowled over by Nathan McKinnon, who was taking the puck to the net. And I was surprised that we, that did not draw a response from the Kings. We had an email on our feedback show this week that talked about how the Kings were soft and I wouldn't go that far, but the Kings, I think the Kings have generally been pretty good about sticking up for teammates. But recently I think there is some questionable things that have happened as far as that goes there were the hits on Sean Dursey that didn't draw a response uh and then nothing last night as far as the hit on Fiala and the the contact with Corpus Allo. so a little bit concerned about that I think the Kings need to make sure that they're uh sticking up for their players they're not going to be pushed around I'm, again I don't think they're a soft team I know they're not an overly physical team they routinely get out hit game after game but it's something to keep an eye on, something to think about. It's something that I know that other Kings fans have kind of noticed as well um, recently. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, which we are at Locked on LA Kings, we will definitely update you with any news that we see uh, regarding the status of Kevin Fiala. Fingers crossed that uh, obviously he's going to be okay. Uh, we talked at the top about the Kings getting a big win in more ways than one. Uh, that was also because of what happened with the other teams in the Pacific Division Thursday night. Details on that in a moment. But first, I want to thank you for making Locked On LA Kings your first listen today. I want to invite you to make your second listen game-to-game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On game-to-game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysts that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game-to-game on Locked On NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. As much as I thought the Kings got a big win last night, if I'm being honest, it was probably the third most impressive victory of the night as far as teams out of the Pacific Division. The Edmonton Oilers went into Boston and snapped the Bruins' 10-game winning streak with a 3-2 win, and the Golden Knights pulled out a 4-3 overtime win over the always difficult Tampa Bay Lightning. By the way, Jonathan Quick, 2-0 now with Vegas. So the Kings' win was uh, was big because they had to keep pace with those other teams. Uh, the Kings did get some good news in that Seattle lost at home to Ottawa 5-4. to four. Um, The Kraken would be the Kings' first-round opponent if the playoffs ended today, and the Kings would have home ice advantage. So checking the standings going into the weekend, Vegas is in first place with 84 points. They've played 65 games. LA also 84 points, but they played 66 games, so Vegas gets the advantage there. Seattle has 80 points, 65 games played. Edmonton also 80 points, but they played 66 games. So Seattle gets the advantage there. Again, it is very, very tight amongst those top four teams. I've said for a few weeks now, those are the top four teams that are going to make the playoffs out of Pacific. Calgary is not going to pose any kind of a threat. There's no late push from the Flames to try and get in here. So that's the top four. What order are they going to finish in? 
and the, the, determine the seeding for the playoffs, that is still very much in doubt. So very much uh, important games going down the stretch for the LA Kings. And some good news, if you just want to look at the schedule, there's some tough opponents for some of the Kings competition for the playoff seeding. Golden Knights are in Carolina to face the Atlantic Division leading Hurricanes on Saturday. Also Saturday, the Oilers are in Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs, one of the top teams in the East. Seattle is at home on Saturday against the Central Division leading Dallas Stars. So LA with a good chance to not only get two points against a Nashville Predators team that really isn't in a playoff race anymore, um, but also a chance to get two points when your competition uh, is going to have a tough time getting two points. So a big game coming up on Saturday for the LA Kings back at Crypto.com Arena. And by the way, for those of you that care, uh, I'm finally going to get back out to Crypto.com Arena on Saturday. Check out the Kings game in person against the National Predators. I've been out of action for a little bit after uh, suffering a broken toe uh, in my beer league hockey game. Uh, so I'll be limping around a little bit there. But after the long road trip, I uh, wasn't able to get out to any of the recent home games. But now I'm um, going to get out there uh, to uh, see the Kings play the Predators on Saturday. And if you're going to be out there and you want to say hi, I'm more than happy to, to do that before, during, or after the game. Um, you can reach out to me uh, with the email, lockedoneddy at gmail.com. You could send a message on Twitter or on Instagram. Like I said, I'd be glad to meet up and uh, say hi. I always like to meet listeners and uh, viewers of Locked on LA Kings. By the way, the Kings are going to play their next seven games on home ice where the Kings are 29-2 and this season. Did you know that the winning percentage by the LA Kings on home ice, 645, is not only the best in the Pacific Division, but the best in the Western Conference. I think the Kings are like fifth in the entire NHL as far as best home ice winning percentage. Uh, so uh, that bodes well for the Kings going forward with how they're playing, five-game winning streak, uh, and also, like I said, seven games in a row on home ice. Um, so looking forward to seeing some big Kings home wins going forward. Um, and yeah, we're going to have a full recap of the big home game or the next home game uh, Saturday against the Nashville Predators coming up on Monday's show. And of course, any news, any update involving Kevin Fiala, we'll be talking about that as well. Again, if you would like to uh, send some feedback for the show or reach out in any way, the email address is LockedOnEddie at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E. We are on Twitter at LockedOnLAKings or on Instagram at LockedOnLAKings as well. I'm Eddie Garcia. Thank you for listening and watching this edition of Locked on LA Kings. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. And as always, go Kings go.